We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. Today, as you can see or listen to here, I guess, it is a solo show and we're going to do a mailbag. So I'm going to open up the mailbag. I asked a lot of Lakers fans out there, particularly via Instagram, if they had any questions that they wanted to go over. And I've got a big, big response. So we've got a few things that we're going to dive into through that. Before I get there, though, I do want to mention a few things. First and foremost, I am right now, as soon as I finish recording the show, I'm going to be heading off. I'm going to be heading out to Las Vegas to go do some recording from the win in Las Vegas at Blue Wire Studios, which I'm super excited about. Blue Wire is our podcast network, so I'm thrilled to finally get to go out there, check out their studios, and record some stuff from there. So can't wait for that. So expect to see some of that coming in this week. I'm going to be recording some things from Las Vegas. If you want to follow me on Instagram, you can kind of follow along on the trip. I'll shoot some behind-the-scenes stuff there from the studio, again, at Trevor Lane NBA is where you find me on Instagram. But I also want to mention, you know, we've been getting a lot of podcast reviews coming in over on Apple Podcast, and we are so appreciative. It's an, it's a very easy, simple way for you guys to help out our show. Those ratings and reviews really do help. So if you're over on Apple Podcast, toss us that five-star rating and then put something in the, in the review. I've been reading them. Some of them, I mean, have, have really touched my heart. I've been so amazed at some of the things that people have been saying about the show and, and what they've enjoyed and, and all of that. So truly appreciate those over on Apple Podcasts. And of course, on Spotify, if that's where you listen to podcasts as well, you can rate the show there really wherever you listen to podcasts. We certainly appreciate that. And if you're watching on YouTube, as you guys know, all you got to do is make sure you subscribe, turn on those notifications and hit the like button on this video. Again, that is a way that you can help us out. All right. Let's get into things. You know, I put up there on Instagram earlier today, before I even get into the mailbag, I put up a picture of myself in the studio and I said, tough seasons don't last, tough fans do. This has certainly been a tough season. And I think why that phrase was rattling around in my brain, I kind of woke up with this in my head. Not only did the, had the Lakers just lost to the Washington Wizards, that was a rough one, another game that kind of played out the way we've seen so many games play out where the Lakers look pretty good through most of the game and then collapse down the stretch, lose their confidence, all of that. It was a mess. We've gone over that several times now. But the reason why that phrase was in my head was, I think, because of Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, 
R.I.P. Um, he has a very famous speech where he says, bad times don't last, bad guys do. Because, of course, he was known as the bad guy. And he's, in turn, taking that from the, the original, which is, of course, tough times don't last, tough people do. But I, I look at what we've dealt with right now as Lakers fans, as, as Lakers nation, it's been a tough season. It's been very, very difficult. And there have been a lot of people, particularly if you're listening to this right now, let's face it, if you're listening to this right now, you've toughed it out. You're still hanging in there. This has not been an easy product to watch for much of the season. We've had a few a few highs in there. I mean, we've been riding that roller coaster. There have been some big moments. I mean, the win against the Raptors, Russell Westbrook hitting the three at the buzzer to tie it up. Uh, Austin Reeves had a three at the buzzer in Dallas to win the game. There have been moments this season, LeBron passing certain milestones, all of that, that have been highs, but we've also experienced a lot of lows. And the lows have been particularly gut-wrenching ones. There have been ones where you just don't feel good watching the Lakers play basketball, particularly if you've been around for a while. If you are new to the Lakers, if this is, say, your first year watching the Lakers, this is not typical. This is not what you should expect at all. Don't go running for the hills saying, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. No, this is the least liked Lakers team that we've seen in a long time, the most disliked. I don't want to say hate, strong word, but this is the most disliked Lakers team that we've seen in a long time because of the emotional roller coaster they put fans through because of the lack of effort and energy that we've seen. Carmelo Anthony admitted after the game against the Wizards that they played with effort and energy through three quarters and not a fourth. That's been a problem for them this season. And that can be infuriating when you are watching it at home, when you are a Lakers fan and you're living and dying with every single game. It's been a tough season, no doubt. It will get better. The Lakers will be back. And I know a lot of us, even based on the questions I've been getting in the mailbag, a lot of people are just, they're done. They're this season, forget it. We want to move on to the next season. That's what most of my questions coming in were about. What happens next season? What do you do in July? What happens then? Because we know what the, the story probably is here. The Lakers are going to go into the play-in. If they get through the play-in, they get Phoenix in round one. That's probably that. That's probably the end of the road for the Lakers, and that's if they get through the play-in where they're in a single elimination scenario. Heck, they could be playing the first game of the play-in in New Orleans, in New Orleans, to potentially get eliminated right there. And you know Pelicans fans feel a certain way towards the Los Angeles Lakers. So we know what this season has been. We know what a struggle it's been. We know how difficult it has been to watch each and every game. So if you are still hanging in there, you're listening to this, you're watching this right now, we certainly appreciate it. You stayed strong all the way through what's been a very, very difficult season. Uh, there's only what, about a dozen games left or so right now. We almost made it. Almost made it through. This one has even been a difficult season for me. It's where it's even gotten to me a little bit. And look, I, I get to talk about sports for a living. And I consider myself very, very blessed to be able to do that. Very lucky, very fortunate to be able to do what I do. And it's even gotten to me where it's felt like a grind. And I, and again, I get to do this as, as my job. So I understand those of you out there that have been struggling game in and game out to watch this. Just keep getting that gut punch over and over again where we see this team not live up to that potential that we all talked about last offseason. So again, if you made it to this point, man, you are a trooper. You have toughed out one of the most difficult seasons ever. And you deserve some congratulations for that, for sticking it out. Maybe you can call yourself a glutton for punishment, but you made it through what's been a very, very tough time. And all I want to say is it will get better. It will get better. Even if that isn't particularly clear right now, at some point, the Lakers are going to come out of this because you know they always do. All right.
Let me get into this. Let me open up the mailbag again. I put it out there on my Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA, as well as the Lakers Nation account at Lakers Nation Official, asking for just some questions, general questions, even some career stuff, whatever, uh, to see what came in. And I got a lot, a lot of questions. The reason why I didn't put it over on the Twitter side of things is because I knew I would get even more and I already had plenty to comb through with Instagram. So let me open this up and see what we got here, what we want to get into. And I'm going to start right here. Uh, Angelos Vergara, Angelos Vergara said, are you confident Lakers management will make better decisions this summer? So confident is a tough word, right? Because if we saw what the Lakers did last summer, a lot of it, even big picture wise, just didn't make a lot of sense. And I'm not even just talking about the Russell Westbrook trade. Go back to how they had success in 2020 when they won the championship. They won in large part because they had big wings. They were bigger, faster, stronger than everybody else. That, that was their team, right? Bigger, faster, stronger than everybody else. Guys who can defend like crazy. Guys who can shoot threes. It's not rocket science. I've said this so many times. It's not rocket science. LeBron James, you want to win with him? Surround him with guys who can do two things. Defend and shoot threes. That's what you need. That's what you need to win alongside LeBron James. And the Lakers very much went away from that. You look at most nights... The Lakers are the smaller team, and I'm not talking about small ball here. I'm not talking about what they do with the center, because typically small ball is really just, we're talking about the center position, right? That, that's it. That's all we're really talking about when we're talking about small ball. It's centers. When people say, oh, they're playing small ball, that just means, okay, Dwight's not the center. It's LeBron at center. That's what it's been for this Lakers team. But look at the other positions. They're at a size disadvantage almost across the board, and that's why you've got so many teams that are just racking up the offensive rebounds by having their bigger wings crash the glass on every shot attempt because you've got a bigger, stronger guy flying in. Maybe it's a Scotty Barnes like we just saw with the Raptors. Maybe it's Rui Hachimura who we saw with the Wizards. These bigger physical dudes that play outside on the perimeter and the guy that's expected to box them out it's like a DJ Augustine or something like that, or, or Russell Westbrook or an Avery Bradley. Those are the guys, you know, we're talking about 6'2", 6'3", maybe 6'4". These are the guys that are trying to box out these bigger wings, and it's creating opportunities all over the floor for opponents just in offensive rebounds and then in terms of their switchability on the defensive end of the floor. That was the Lakers a few years ago, and they went away from that. They went away from that, and part of that was necessitated by the Westbrook contract. So going back, Am I confident they're going to make better decisions? I think so. I think so, because if I look at two off-seasons ago, what Rob Palenka did, bringing in Trez, bringing in Dennis Schroeder, it didn't really work. But most people thought that the Lakers got significantly better that off-season. Most people thought these were excellent moves that the Lakers made. In fact, most people pegged the Lakers as the team that actually improved the most after winning the championship, which is incredible. And that's a testament to how good the front office certainly can be. Now, they've got a lot to overcome this offseason. You no longer have that mystique of, hey, we just want a championship. Come join us for less. We just want an NBA championship and we can win. That's gone. That's out the window because now you just had a really difficult and really frustrating season. That's going to be a challenge for the front office to overcome. And then the Westbrook contract, there's going to be more pain coming. Making that trade and taking on Russ's contract, they did that knowing that it was going to hurt to get out of that deal if it didn't work, if it didn't work. And now that's the situation they're in. And I've got some future questions that are coming about the Russ situation. So I'm not going to dive into that here, but back to the original question, how confident am I? like 70%, 70%, I guess. I think they can make very good decisions. They can, but they're in a much more difficult position than they were in 
two off seasons ago when they made the decisions to get like Marcus Gasol and Montrezl Harrell and Dennis Schroeder and those guys. And so it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And I think it's going to magnify each and every choice. They have to get all of them right because you're starting out at a negative. You're starting out from a position where you have to fix a lot of the problems that you created last off season. It's going to be a challenge, but I've got faith. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, let's go. D. Cagle said, is it possible to trade Russ in the offseason for multiple smaller salaries? Yeah, so Russell Westbrook. This is what I'm expecting in a Russell Westbrook trade. Okay, you're going to look at either one of two things. With the Russell Westbrook trade, you're either going to attach future assets in order to free him from your books and then maintain future cap space. So that means giving up maybe a first round pick, maybe it's two first round picks, maybe it's second round picks, whatever gets put in there in order to trade Russell Westbrook for contracts that also expire this year. Contracts that also expire this year or perhaps players that you think are pretty good that are useful on the floor. That's where you're attaching stuff because you're getting value back either in the form of a contract that expires or you're getting and or you're getting guys who you think can help you on the floor this year. The other option is you trade Russell Westbrook for guys that you could think can help you a little bit, probably maybe three guys that you come in to stack up to get to that $47 million salary that Westbrook has. And those guys have contracts that go past 2023. See, the Lakers have a mountain of cap space right now set up for 2023, and it might take them coming off of that in order to move Russell Westbrook. You can go to another team and say, hey, look, you've got these contracts on these on your books. You've got these three guys that are all solid players, just solid players, but they're on the books each for three more years. Russ is only on the books for one more year. We'll give you Russ and you get a bunch of cap space in a year and we'll absorb those contracts that go long-term. You break up Russ's salary that way. So that's your other option really in a, in a Russell Westbrook trade. Either way is painful, right? You're either giving up future assets in terms of picks in order to get guys you think can help you right now, or you're biting the bullet and you're absorbing salary into the future. And that can limit your flexibility moving forward. So which path the Lakers take is going to be really, really interesting. Uh, another option, of course, is buying him out. I'm going to get to that with another question, though. But appreciate that question coming in. Uh, D. Cagle also asked, to get into sports journalism, what kind of internships would you recommend after college? Well, let me tell you, to get into, into sports journalism in terms of internships and, and that sort of thing, the biggest thing 
is just finding some place that, that can use you, that can give you the kind of experience that you want. And from that side of it, I think sometimes people who are looking to get into sports journalism, they focus too much on what it's going to give them, on what an internship is going to provide them. And look, naturally, we all think typically of ourselves first, but you have to look at it from an organizational perspective. Flip it. Think, what can I bring to the table? That's really what you're trying to sell when you're looking for an internship, when you're looking for a job, you're trying to sell. What is it that I can bring to the table? How can I be of assistance to them? How can I help? And maybe that's, you know what? I am great at cranking out articles. No problem. There's there's five different things that came out. I can knock those things out in a couple of hours and they're going to be perfect and everything's going to be written well. My editor's life is going to be easy. That's what I excel at. Great. If that's your thing, then that's what you sell yourself on. And you want to be able to prove it. You want to be able to have a portfolio show, hey, look, I've done this, this, and this in the past. The barrier to entry in terms of getting work published online, it's nothing. There is no barrier. You could start your own blog and just at least have a body of work to present to a an employer, whether it's an internship situation, whether it's a job situation or whatever. If it's if you want to do podcasting, you want to do video work, you want to do something like that. Again, you want to have a reel, have stuff where you can show people, look, this is what I've done in the past. And this is how I can prove that I can help your, your team in this way. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go get an internship at this company because they're going to write me a great letter of recommendation. They've got a bunch of followers. That's going to increase my footprint. Yeah, that, that's always, that's always a thing. You're always trying to grow your own brand, so to speak, but you have to also make sure that you look at it from the other side too. And you think about what it is that you bring to the table. What is your niche? What is it that you are particularly good at? And then you want to build from there. So when you're looking for an internship, you're looking to get into sports sports journalism, look for some place that has a need for what it is that you do. And then you go and you sell them on that. Now I could talk a lot about getting into this field and, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe in the future, I'll do something like that, but I'm going to move on to the next question here. Um, I've got ghost said, why does LeBron get so much hate when he is so great? So when LeBron first came to the Lakers, um, there was, by my rough estimate, it felt like it was about 50-50 between Lakers fans who liked LeBron and Lakers fans who didn't like LeBron. And I think that's sort of the remnants of the old Kobe versus LeBron thing, even though it never felt like Kobe and LeBron personally had any kind of a real rivalry with each other. We kind of felt that. We kind of felt like, okay, these are the top guys, who's better, all that sort of thing. And Lakers fans, of course, would support Kobe and uh, like Cavs fans or Miami Heat fans at the time would support LeBron. And so there's the remnants of that that is still lingering within Lakers Nation that creates that sense of LeBron, uh, he's still that outsider. And then you look at Lakers fans and fans in general, love that guy who is, who's yours, right? That guy who you watched grow up with the team. You watched him go through the struggles. You watched him overcome the challenge challenges. You watched him turn into a star level player rather than be the guy that joined the team after he's already been a star somewhere else. Like LeBron Cavs fans are going to claim LeBron. Miami Heat fans saw some great years from LeBron. Then LeBron comes to LA and it's kind of like, okay, we're, we're getting this guy that, that yeah, he's a Laker, but he's also going to be remembered as something else too. And that's not to say that's unique. I mean, even Kareem was with the Bucks. Wilt Chamberlain was with other teams before coming to the Lakers. I mean, 
Shaq was with the Orlando Magic, but Kobe changed a lot of things, right? And, and I think that was part of the, the problem. That's part of the reason why people still dislike LeBron. And there's other reasons too. And we're not saying everybody does or everybody should dislike LeBron, but it's this Kobe versus LeBron sentiment and that being the bar that LeBron is expected to live up to. And let me tell you this, from a Lakers perspective, LeBron will never be Kobe. I don't care. I don't care what he does from here. I don't care if he wins another championship. I don't care if he wins two more championships. I don't care if he's wearing purple and gold when he sets the NBA scoring record. There is nothing he can do to put him on the same level as Kobe Bryant for Lakers fans. And there's nothing wrong with that. Kobe's the greatest Laker of all time. He's the GOAT. There's no, I grew up as a Magic Johnson fan. There's no denying it. Kobe is the greatest Laker of all time, period. He spent two decades in Los Angeles. That type of equity within the fan base isn't going to be overcome by LeBron coming in. And that's okay. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That bar is ridiculously high. But just because you've got this admiration, this respect for everything that Kobe did as a Laker, that doesn't mean that you have to be anti-LeBron. And I feel like we've had that kind of dynamic at least among some Lakers fans, where the feeling is, well, you can't be a Kobe fan and support LeBron. That's that's not allowed. I think it is. I think that's okay. Now, I'll also say that LeBron politically is perhaps more outspoken than some other star-level athletes have been. And so that can turn some people off, turn some people on as well in terms of supporting him. There's some people who look at the things that he says and the things that he, that he does, and it says, yes. Yes, LeBron's absolutely right. There's other people who say, no, I completely disagree with, Le with what LeBron is saying. And therefore, because I, I feel, this is my own personal opinion, but I feel like we're becoming less and less tolerant of political opinions that are different from our own. And maybe that's a, a symptom of social media or, or whatever. But because of that, you get some people who will push back against LeBron for political reasons. So that's a factor too. If we get rid of all that stuff and we just focus on LeBron, the basketball player, he is absolutely incredible. He is an all-time great. He has an argument as greatest ever, right? He has an argument to be the greatest ever. He's probably going to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record. He's incredible. From my perspective, if nothing else, even if you don't particularly like LeBron because you didn't like LeBron when he wasn't a Laker, you don't like what he says politically, whatever, just appreciate who he is as a basketball player because we're never going to see another player quite like him. Just like we're never going to see another Kobe. We're never going to see another player quite like Shaq. These guys are one in a billion. And we're very fortunate, I think, from a basketball perspective, from a talent perspective, to have been able to watch these guys wear the purple and gold. Uh, Wancho says, let's say Rob gets fired and they hire you. Oh, they Thank you. They're hiring me, man. I better stop talking about other teams players. I'm going to get hit with tampering fines. Uh, what and how do you change? What do you change with it? So my first step is the Russell Westbrook situation. If I'm taking over the Lakers this summer, I'm looking at the Russ situation and I'm trying to see what causes the least amount of pain. What hurts the least? Is it attaching a couple of seconds or a couple of firsts in order to move Russell Westbrook? What am I getting back? Am I getting back stuff in that scenario that I think is going to help me win next season? And if not, if not, do I then go the other way and look at absorbing some salary into the future because I've got that $47 million expiring contract? Do I bite that bullet and say, okay, 
okay, I'm going to give up some future flexibility, but I'm going to get back some pieces that might help me. And really, I'm looking at what is going to help me win right now. Who, Which path will help me win right now? Is it, is it getting rid of Russell Westbrook and attaching picks? Is it getting rid of Russell Westbrook and absorbing future salary? Is it a mixture of those two things? If neither of those options are all that palatable, if there's nothing out there that makes sense, that's when I'm starting to explore the buyout option. And that's if I'm fu- I firmly believe, by the way, Russ has been pretty good the last couple of games. Um, maybe not defensively against the Wizards, but been pretty good the last couple of games. I have to firmly believe heading into the offseason that Russell Westbrook cannot work, that it will not work, that a move has to be made in order for the team to have success. And I think if I'm Rob Palenka, if I'm in that position, what we've seen out of Russ the last couple of games, while it's not convinced me that this can work, he's been at least better. And perhaps that helps pick up the market a little bit for Russell Westbrook. Maybe it makes it cost a little bit less or hurt a little bit less to move him. So if that's the case, if that's the case, I'm looking at those options very strongly, first and foremost, before I even consider a buyout. From there, if there is nothing trade-wise that makes sense, I'm talking to Russ and I'm saying, Russ, what, what do you think you can get on the open market? What do you think you can get? If he believes a team would give him the full mid-level exception, if that's what he's hearing, then I can negotiate a buyout and say, okay, we want you to give up $10 million because you're going to get that $10 million back. You're going to get made whole by your next team. You give us $10 million back. We'll make you a free agent. We'll pay you $37 million, and then you can stretch that salary, $13 million per year. That's a lot. They're just getting out of the Luol Deng contract, but it does give you the flexibility. If you do nothing, if they do nothing, they're dead in the water. I know that's not my option. That's not the path I'm going to take if I'm the Lakers, is doing nothing. Because doing nothing means losing Malik Monk, because you're only going to have the taxpayer mid-level exception to use. It means losing a few of the veteran guys that you've brought in that will help. Maybe it means losing Carmelo Anthony. But imagine the Lakers team as is, but without Malik Monk, potentially without Carmelo Anthony. How does that team look? Probably not so great, right? So doing nothing means bringing back LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook, and filling out your roster once again with veteran minimum contracts and then moving forward from there. You would have one taxpayer mid-level exception to use, and that's it. You buy them out, you're in a situation where you can now use the full mid-level exception of just over $10 million. You can get a higher level talent there. Maybe it's Malik Monk, maybe it's somebody else. And you can use the biannual exception of just over $3 million as well. That becomes available because you no longer are, are as concerned about triggering the hard cap. And that is a lot of the salary cap stuff and everything that we'll get into the offseason. But again, that's your third option. That's door number three is going down that buyout route. So I am very carefully, if I'm Rob Palenka, analyzing those three things, there's a lot of other stuff that you have to do over the course of the season you or the summer. You have to figure out in the draft, is it worth trading up? You have to figure out what kind of moves are on the table. What kind of free agents can you get? Can you get guys who aren't necessarily veterans on their last legs? Can you get guys who maybe just need a change of scenery, a la Malik Monk, in order to improve? What can you find there? You've got to negotiate other trades too. Can you get something for Taylor Horton Tucker? Is now the time to make that kind of a move? Does Kendrick Nunn pick up his player option? There's all kinds of things that you still have to navigate, but the biggest, most important decision that's going to be made this offseason is what happens with Russell Westbrook. So I'm focusing on that. Everything else will play off of what happens with that particular decision. So if I'm in charge, that's my approach to the Lakers offseason. Uh, Floyo, 
said, what are your predictions for the final standings for Lakers and opponents in the play-in slash playoffs? So for the Lakers, I think the Lakers are going to be either 9 or 10, and the Pelicans will be the other one. So if the Lakers are 9, the Pelicans are 10. If the Pelicans are 9, the Lakers are 10. As of this moment, as we're recording, the Lakers have, are a half a game up on the Pelicans. But the Lakers and Pelicans play each other twice more before the end of the season. Those games, I think, will go a long way towards determining who is 9 and who is 10. I'll be honest, I've been saying the Lakers will not fall out of the play-in. I still believe that. I don't think the teams behind them, San Antonio and Portland, will catch up with the amount of time that we have left. But, but, I do think the Lakers are going to fall to 10. I think they're going to fall to 10. The Pelicans are going to catch up. And that's going to put the Lakers on the road in New Orleans with a fan base that, again, I saw tons of Pelicans fans on, on Twitter celebrating Anthony Davis's injury when he got hurt a little over a month ago now. You've got Pelicans fans who very much hate the Lakers. Uh, I should say not all Pelicans fans feel that way, but a lot of Pelicans fans hate the Lakers. It's going to be an interesting environment if that's the case. The play-in tournament plus the Pelicans have may have a draft pick on the line there where if, where if the Lakers pick falls in the top 10, the Pelicans get it. If it's not in the top 10, the Grizzlies get it. It's going to be a very dramatic game when the Lakers and Pelicans do play in the play-in, whether it's in LA or New Orleans. But I think in New Orleans adds that bigger level of drama. All right, we've got got a few more. Oh, actually that was the last one. That was the last one that I saved. Maybe I'll pull a random one in here. Yeah, I'll pull a random one here just to just to get one more in. Let me grab this. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Uh, somebody asked about Mo Bamba. Oh, somebody asked, how can I get a job at Lakers nation? Same thing I was just talking about before in terms of the internship stuff. Same thing there. Uh, Isle said, why didn't we try to get Mo Bamba at the deadline? Is he an option in the off season? Well, he should be a free agent. Um, is he an option? Maybe, maybe if the Lakers decide, Hey, we need to find another big, the question is what's the price tag. He's somebody that I'm interested in. Again, if I'm the Lakers, my plan, and maybe I should have detailed this in terms of my ideal offseason, if I'm the Lakers, I'm going back to my old strategy. I'm going back to my blueprint for 2019-2020. And that means I want big wings. I want athleticism. I want shooting. I want defense. Those are the things I want. I'm also figuring out the head coach situation. Who's coming in? We know Frank Vogel's not staying. That's 99%. He's not, the season is not gone according to plan. He's only got a year left on his deal. They're not going to keep them around. We got to see who they do bring in. So at that point, though, it's a matter of piecing together a roster that makes sense around LeBron and around Anthony Davis. And again, I'm focusing 
I'm building my roster around defense and shooting, but I need players who can do both. I need players who can do both. And if that means I can only get a few of those guys because they're more expensive in general, look, lots of teams want guys who can play defense and shoot threes. I'm rounding out my team with younger guys with some fresh legs. That's what I'm looking for as I'm putting together this team. Mo Bamba certainly would fit that mold. The question is, how much does he cost? And how much are you willing to spend on the center position if Anthony Davis is going to play a decent amount of minutes at center? It's all connected. It's all connected when you're trying to put together a new Lakers team, all your decision-making, because there's opportunity cost with everything that you do. All right, let's wrap things up there. I got to finish packing and get ready to head over to Blue Wire Studios in Las Vegas. So look for content from me from there over the next few days. I appreciate all of you coming in and joining, whether you are watching on YouTube, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is. Thank you guys for joining me. Make sure you do review, subscribe, like this video, all that good stuff. Thanks, everybody. Till next time, see ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.